Hey, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, the church and about all the things that uh, the church has in store. We're in a series called This Is Us um, where uh, we're talking through the core of mission, values, and act- activities of our church together. Um, and the, the last few weeks, we've been in the core beliefs, the core doctrines about who we are as a church, the the close-handed items, the non-negotiables um, as a church when it comes to our theology, it comes to our doctrine. Um, and so the first week, just by way of review real fast, um, as you're turning to Ephesians 2 on page 978, um, the first week we talked about the Bible, and we believe that God revealed himself uh, through the scriptures so that we can know more about him we could be, uh, we, and we could be changed by him. So um, the Bible is inspired, infallible, and profitable for teaching reproof correction, and training. And so we believe that God has done that. So we don't idolize the Bible, but we do, we do know, uh, grow to learn more about who God is and what he's doing in the world through the Bible. So we, uh, we, we want to know Christ more. We want to be about um, him more. We want to be changed by him more. And so we go to the life of the Bible that he reveals himself to in order to do that. So the Bible, God speaks. The second week, we talked about the Trinity and the nature of God, that our God is eternally existent in three persons, co-equal and co-eternal in nature, that they exist in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the three are one, and the one are somehow three, and we can have a, coll- a collective mind explosion together. Um, and so we, we share in that, the Trinity, that God reveals himself in a Trinitarian nature, all three are equal, and all three are God. Um, so that, the second week, we talked about that. Then the third week, we talked about the good news, that this triune God of the universe is announcing the good news that he is orchestrating a restoration plan of all things back to the Father through the Son and by the Holy Spirit. And so the good news, the, the, the fact that there's announcement being made, there's good news that God, the God, the creator of all things, is announcing that there is a, or is orchestrating a, a plan to make all things come back together, to restore all things back to his original intent for the universe. And so he's doing that. He's announcing that good news. And today, we're talking about the church. And the church is really the, the body of Christ, the Son, that is uh, sent out into the world to usher in the kingdom of God. And so we have the Bible that God speaks, the Trinity God is, we have the gospel God restores, and we have the church God sends. If you could go to that next slide there, God sends. You have the church is the body of Christ sent into the world to usher in the kingdom of God. And so this Trinitarian God of the universe has a plan to restore all things, and guess who he uses to restore all things? You, yeah, you. Us, me, you, together as a church, this local expression of God's global church, um, he's using us to bring about that restoration plan. We're a part of that, and so today we're going to talk through that. Um, Ephesians 2 is going to help us share, um, is going is to lead us into that discussion uh, today. So if you go to Ephesians 2, verses, uh, verse 14, 
Um, and again, this, this, uh, the, Bible or the Bible in your seat, or maybe you're using your phone or your device, whatever you use, um, to follow along. If you are new or don't have a Bible, um, that's yours to keep. That's uh, our gift to you. Um, if you have a Bible um, and you just uh, are using that one, that's cool. But th- again, we, we follow along in the scriptures so you know that I'm teaching from the Bible, that what I'm teaching about is in the scriptures and, and just trying to reveal what, what God has revealed to us. Um, so uh, looking to Ephesians 2, verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Real, real quick, by way of context. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus at this moment. And in existent within the church is a big split between people. Never happens today. We don't know of anything happening like that today. I, I know I get that, but he's just talking about a time that happened before, right? So this this is he's talking about how he how Jesus Himself is healing the divide between all people, and how He can heal divides in the midst of this church. Uh, verse fifteen, he said he did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in Himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you, to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Verse 19, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. And so today, four quick realities about the church uh, that Ephesians 2 is going to show us. Um, the church, God sent people um, to usher in the, the, the new kingdom of God. Um, number one, the first reality of the church. The church isn't perfect, but it's God's plan. It isn't perfect, but it's God's plan. Verse 17 says this, He brought his good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far and to those who are near. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. If you take a bunch of dead people before the gospel, take a bunch of dead people that are struggling with sin and you fuse them with life, are we a bunch of perfect people all meeting together? No, we're not. And so what happens is there is, like, what's the, what, what, what is the number one group of people that you should expect there to be brokenness in? Church, why? Because a bunch of broken people all gathering together at the same time every week almost guarantees you that there's going to be some brokenness in the midst of that, right? And there's perfect, so although we're not perfect, we are God's plan for him to use us in ushering in the restoration of all things. So real quick poll, how many of you before attending Community Covenant Church came from another church, right? A lot of us, a lot of us, right? There's a lot of us that did that. Over the last two years, we're seeing more and more people who have never been to church before come to our church, which is a huge blessing to us. We love that because what we love is when people find Christ, and we love when people take next steps to become more like him. 
But in all reality, a lot of times when we move churches, we do it because there's something that happened at their last church or simply because you like our church better, which, hey, that's cool. Two, um, no, no worries about that. But sometimes what happens is we decide to leave churches because something happened at the church, right? And when we move from one church to another church and we don't allow something to heal that was at our last in our history, what we do is we bring a lot of uh, stuff into this new community. And what it does is it makes us feel, it, it, makes the, it makes the community, it makes the group feel like we got to heal from something. It's like we got to deal with stuff that's in our past sometimes to make our current reality much more healthy. And so when we do that, we bring in a lot of expectations and we bring a lot of understandings about church and we simply don't ever say, okay, God, what would you allow, um, what would you change about my interaction with this new community? And what you do is instead of becoming, instead of belonging to a new community, what you do is attend and then, what, and then, and, and then I've, you know, I've seen this happen from time to time to time. As you're attending, all you're doing is comparing what's currently going on to the last place. Can I get an amen? Come on. Right? That happens. That happens. Because here's the reality. We're not perfect, but we are God's plan. Give me 30 minutes. I might offend you now. Like, like there might be disappointment. If you haven't been disappointed now, you might be disappointed by the end of the sermon. You might be disappointed within the next few months. And you want to know why I can almost promise you that? Because we're not perfect but we are God's plan. In the midst of a community of people that are founded on the gospel, the fact that we were dead and made alive, we can almost guarantee that there is brokenness there. We can almost guarantee that. And if we don't ever get to the point where we can sacrifice what we previously understood to, uh, to know about church, so for God to actually shape us in the midst of our community, we might never get to a spot where God is actually moving us into his new reality for us. When we struggle with this type of thing, what we're doing is we're saying, well, we're going to stay on the outside until you get perfect. We might not say that, but that's exactly what we're doing. We're kind of hanging on the outside until you guys get your stuff together, and then I'm like, okay, now I'm good. We'll do that. The problem is with that is we're always broken. We're always going to be unperfect because we're all simply people that are trying to pursue the same Christ. Are we tracking on that this morning? And so this morning, my, my, my invitation to you today is simply, what in the world happened or what has gone on previously and what are you carrying into a place like this that you might have to deal with a little bit? that God, you might have to sacrifice over to Christ. Maybe there is a presupposition about church or maybe there's a, a, a previous brokenness that you've never actually healed from and you're kind of carrying it into here and it's stopping you from belonging to the community but you're attending in a good way. You're attending on a weekend. You're on a good weekend but you don't actually belong yet because you haven't taken that step into play. I would, I would simply challenge you. What is that for you? What is that for you? Are you waiting for everyone to be perfect? Here's what, here's what I love. Charles Spurgeon talks about it in this way. And I read this a few weeks ago, and I'll read it again um, because I think it's awesome. But this is what he'll say to us. He'll say, give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I had found one that was perfect, I would have never joined one at all. 
And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Go to the next slide. Next, next slide, there you go. As I have already said, the church is faulty, but that is no excuse for you not joining it if you are the Lord's. Nor need your own faults keep you back, for the church is not an institution for perfect people, but a sanctuary for sinners saved by grace, who, though they are saved, are still sinners and need all the help they can derive from the sympathy and guidance of their fellow believers. The church is the nursery for God's weak children, where they are nourished and grow strong. It is the fold for Christ's sheep, the home for Christ's family. And what I love about the announcement that this is the dearest type of place in our community, that this is the dearest community that people could find in, is that it's done in the context of the fact that we're all imperfect. It's done with this realization that we all need Christ. What, what more of a better place to find a lack of perfection than a group of people who believe we're not, we don't have it all together, right? Like, like the core reality of our announcement as a church is we're dead without Christ, and so when you gather with a community of faith, the, the deep realization is that the only thing that ties us all together is the fact that we all need someone bigger than us to put us all back together. And so if we don't have a deeper understanding, a deeper realization that we aren't perfect, we will always stand on the outside in a sort of cynicistic way, in a, in a cynical way, without ever diving into all that God might have for you when it comes to a church, uh, when it comes to a church community. So although we're not perfect, we are God's plan. Like there's no other group of people in the New Testament that God is going to use in order to usher in the restoration of all things. Like the local church is it. We are plan A. There is no plan B. That's it. And so Matthew 16 talks about it like this. This is what, what Jesus is going to announce to Peter and his followers. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Now this word church, this is the first time in the New Testament that the word ecclesia is used for the word church. Ecclesia, what this, word, what this, what this kind of noted was a group of called out individuals that existed for the service of a community. The ecclesia was a group of elders, like older, like older folks in, the, in a town that would meet at the city gate once a week or so, and they would meet at the city gate to discuss how can we better serve our community? What are the needs of our community? What are the things that are happening? How can we better it? How can we, how can we serve it? And these group of elders would then establish the ways that, we could, that, the, church, that the, the community could serve in ways that helped it flourish. That existed all the way. That was the, that was the word that the New Testament used in order to describe what a church community was. Now, all the way up until 300, the Roman Empire, Constantine, all of a sudden becomes a Christian. Christianity before 300 didn't exist in a way um, that anyone wanted to be a part of it. It was heavily persecuted, and people really, really need to move. Through. People were really at a hard time be belonging to it. 
But when Constantine has an experience, during a battle has a moment um, that he believes God spoke to him, and all of a sudden, Christianity, he becomes a Christian, and Christianity becomes the nation's religion. At that moment, Constantine, because he loved God so much, wanted to create these massive buildings in order to pay, like, pay honor to it. And they wanted to get all the people, Christianity rose from like being an underground religion to becoming the most popular religion of the day. And he needed to gather all the people that were now calling themselves Christians. And so we erected these big buildings called, and in German, called, it was, it, it used the word Kirch, K-I-R-C-H-E, Kirch, which simply means a meeting place. And so what was a movement of Jesus followers that were existing for the community and the betterment and the flourishing of a community now was a monument that existed as a simple meeting place. God's plan for the church is not to be a meeting. He's not building a meeting. He's building a movement He's building a movement of people that have been changed by him that he's going to use to usher in the restoration of all things. He's using us, like you, you, me, like when you look around, this is it. This is it. These people right here. A lot of times we go into church, we're kind of like foggy. We don't talk to people, kind of we don't see, we don't see much. We don't kind of like, all right, God, I'm going to go meet with God and that's about it. But when you look around at the people that are around you, you are part of God's only plan to see the restoration of all things ushered into the world. And the crowd went wild, right? Come on. Like, that's incredible. Because although we're not perfect, we are God's plan. We are God's plan. And so number one, the first reality about the church is that we're not perfect, Give us, you know, we still got 20 minutes. You might, you might be disappointed before the end of today. We're not sure. We can't promise not to disappoint, but we can promise that we're pursuing Christ together. And that's what we can do. So first, we're not perfect, but we are God's plan. Number two, the church is not a place, but it's a people. The church is not a place, it's a people. Verse 19 says this, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all God's holy people. You are members of God's family. The word Gentile is simply not Jewish. Not Jewish. And so we are, if you are not Jewish in here, we are Gentiles. Um, and so he's just referring to people that you are now part of God's family. You are now no longer immigrants. You're no longer travelers. You're no longer sojourners. You're no longer any, you're no longer an immigrant. You are members of God's family. Again, part of the gospel is you've been adopted. God delights in you as his son, Jesus. Like he likes you. He doesn't just have to love you. He decides to like you and love you. And so you're adopted into God's family. So it's not a place. It's a people. You take this right here. This is a building. This is a building. You take all of these people together. God, God, what the scriptures are saying is he's forming us into the temple. He's forming us because we are the, is we are where God resides, where the, where, the, where the Spirit resides in us. So you take all of us, you go meet, let us meet in the field out there, guess what we're going to be? The church, right? We're not, we're not the church because we're assembled in this building. We're the church because we are formed and shaped by the Spirit of God. And so although we're not, uh, we're not a place, we are a, a people. And so the church um, is, it, the church is, a, is a center for people. There is no Mecca for Christianity, 
Are, are you tracking with me? Like, although it's cool to go to Israel and see where Jesus uh, walked and be, you know, even be baptized in the Jordan River and do all those things, I mean, that's amazing stuff. And to understand the Bible, that's so cool. But it's not getting you any closer to God than you are right now. We are a people-centered community. And God is forming us and shaping us as a people you belong to. That's why I really think that it's really important that we don't simply attend, but we belong to a community. We don't just attend a meeting, but we belong to a community. That's why I'll always ask, take your step in, lean in, dive in, engage with what the church is doing, engage with who we are as a community. Don't just kind of hang out and wait or whatever. Don't just attend, belong. Be a part of all that God would love to have you do as a part of the church. And so we're, we're a people-based thing. Um, and when it comes to community, who are your capital F friends? Like your, your friends that you share everything with. In a world of so much separation, in a world of so much uh, disjointedness, do you have people? Who, like who's your posse? Are we allowed to use the word posse in church? I don't know. Like, who's your crew that you roll with, right? Like, who's the crew that you would just, every, you know everything about everything for me? Light, and light is, is something, and, and truth, and bringing things from out of the darkness, and, and being together with people, having them know every, having them know you. Community, belonging to a community is much better than attending a church. And so we are not a place, but we're a people. We're a people. Number three, third reality of the church from Ephesians 2 is that the church is not people-centered, but it's Christ-centered. Not people-centered, but it's Christ-centered. And so he says that, that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets of which Christ is the cornerstone. And so what Paul is saying is that Christ is the center of everything that we do. The phrase apostles and prophets is another phrase for scriptures. It's another phrase for, uh, for, for understanding the scriptures. And so you have a, you have a statement that Paul is saying is that the, that the scriptures are the foundation of who we are. Although we don't idolize the Bible, we, we go to the Bible and consider and allow it to infuse us with life because we do believe that's how God reveals himself. Um, and it is a litmus test by which all other things are tested. Uh, but we believe that Christ is the cornerstone. So we don't use the Bible. We don't just memorize the Bible for the sake of memorizing the Bible. We read the Bible and memorize the Bible so that we can get to know Christ more because he's the point. He's the reason. He's what we get. He's the, he's the, he's the, the, the point of the relationship. So we want to know Christ, and he's the cornerstone of our church. Um, so although we're not... Although we are a people, we're not people-centered. And so what we have is a group of leaders and a structure that helps us orbit around Christ as the center of our church. It's really important that no one man is ever the center of what we do. But we do have men and women that lead us in making sure that we stay in orbit around who he is. And that's good news. That's good news. Just trust me on that if you don't believe me. But that's good news. Because it's important that us as a community are staying orbit, are staying in orbit around Christ and all that he would have for us in ways that we can be a part of the restoration of all things. But we do have a structure of people that, that help us stay that way. And so our structure as a church 
looks like this. It's, it's an elder-governed, staff-led, volunteer-operated culture. It's an elder-governed, staff-led, and volunteer-operated structure. And so let me just kind of break this down a little bit for you um, because this is, this is what helps us stay Christ-centered. Elders um, are who govern our church. And so um, all throughout the New Testament, you'll see about the, the leading group of people that lead churches are a group of people called elders. And you can, you can read about it in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1 um, and many different, 1 Peter 5, like there's a bunch of different places that you can read about elders. Um, but for elders, for us, we have a group, a board of elders um, that serve as our primary governing, governing board um, for our church. And what they do is they exist for the, to, to consider and plan what the next 18 to 36 months look like for our church. What does the next 18 to 36 months look like? Um, and so that's vision. And so they're really responsible for a few things. It's, it's direction and leadership in that manner. They're responsible for uh, discernment and relational care and making sure that we're all pursuing Christ and making sure the relational conflict stays at ease. And they're also responsible for doctrine. And so like, they get copies of what I'm going to be teaching on. Um, they, get, they get an outline of all of my sermon series to make sure that I'm up, not up here making things up uh, because that's their, part of their responsibility is the doctrine of the church. They want to make sure theology is healthy. And so there's an elder government. So they're, they're responsible for 18 to 36 months out. And then we hire staff, we're staff led to help lead us as a church, all, all, you know, all you know, 500 to 1,000 of us, to that place. So the elders discern, God, what would you have for us in the next 18 to 36 months? And then the staff is hired to help lead us towards that direction. And so we have a staff leadership. You'll see, you'll definitely, you'll see staff bumping around here and there. Um, uh, and there, all of our staff and elders are actually listed on our website. I'm, I'm going to take time in a few weeks to introduce everybody. Um, but, uh, but if you don't know them right now, you can kind of go on the website and, and, and read about that. And then under, but, but here's the thing. So we have, so elders are responsible 18 to 36 months. Staff now, but then volunteers are, 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 the operation, are, are, are those that operate to help us get there because we are not a religious service institution. We are a community of faith that we believe that we're a part of the restoration of all things. So when we are engaging with who we are as a church, there's really 200 or 225 of us that are participating in a bigger, rest, in a bigger plan to receive all things restored. And so elders, they, they plan that out, 18, 36 months. Okay, God, what would you have for us? El staff, they're leading us in that. And then th what they're doing is really leading the force of volunteers that are all engaging in all the different teams towards this restoration plan. Are we, are we tracking so far? I know you love church polity at 11.25 in the morning. I know you just were like, God, I please, God, please let Pastor Brandon teach about church polity when I come to church this morning. But... But it's really important that we understand this. Here's a few reasons why. Um, if, if, you under, if you don't understand volunteer operations and staff leadership, what you'll do is you'll come to Community Covenant and you'll say, no, staff, you're supposed to do that for me. You're supposed to do that for me. Our job as staff in Ephesians chapter 4 is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. So pastors and, and directors, what, they, what our jobs are is to help direct all of us. This is our church right here. Is to help lead us in, in the restoration of all things. Our job is to get, get everything kind of administrated and, and led and grouped together in a way that helps us restore all things. 
So staff is responsible for leading while we're all part of the work together. A uh, perfect example is we're asking for help after, after today's service for the workday, right? There's a lot of operations that need to take place, and we had a few staff members work for the last couple weeks to make sure everything was organized in a way that allowed it to happen, right? So you have staff leadership volunteer operations. And the other thing we often get kind of asked about is that our elders, our governors, um, that we have, a, we have a governing kind of structure to our church that we don't have a congregational structure to our church. And so if you come in here expecting to vote on a lot of things, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated. Because a lot of times what we do in a way to exercise our, our accountability of a, of a community of faith, we expect to be a part of voting decisions. People get frustrated all the time about that. Because, but what we want to do is we want to exercise accountability according to the Bible, which is Matthew 18, which says, if you have a problem with a brother or sister, go and talk to them. Mind-blowing stuff at 1125 on a Sunday morning. But, but we want to be about relate, healthy relationships, and from those healthy relationships, see those things take place. And so elders being governors of the entire community and being responsible for this, the discernment and direction of the church is really allowing us to be free to simply focus on seeing more and more people meet Jesus and seeing more and more lives changed by Christ. And so you have elder, governed, staff-led, volunteer operator. About nine months ago, I, ta- I stood in front of you guys and I talked about the fact that we're going to see some of our elders roll off of the, gover- of the board. And I said, over the next few months, we want to train people um, and, and see some folks come that will see what God, what, see what people would rise, that God would allow to us to see to rise to the top um, and see a part of uh, leader, see them be a part of leadership. And so for the last nine months, we, we kind of got that, that boiled down to about 10 people um, and we've been training them and we believe that God is, is illuminating about three of them at this stage to serve, uh, uh, to, to begin to serve um, in a form that, that allows us to, uh, that allows to con- us to continue uh, down this manner and into a new season as a church. And then other folks that are serving will be in a pipeline that will allow us to not only take care of our church right now, but for the next 10 and 15 years to come. And we're going to continue to pack that pipeline with people who are ready to serve as elders and be a part of discerning and keeping us centered around who Christ is. Um, and so what we're doing, so today what I'd like to do is, is introduce you to two out of the three um, elder candidates is what we're calling them over the next couple weeks, elder candidates that will be a part of, um, uh, be a part, that, that are being um, uh, moved into uh, this, this board. And so to start off, we, in the back over there, we have Karen Steenheisen, which is in the back row over there. Um, Karen and her husband, Jay, have been attending for, uh, for many years and have just been a faithful part of our church and, and serving massive prayer warriors, encouragers, and we believe that God is really uh, rising them up to be a major part of our next season um, in that. And so uh, that's Karen. would love for you to introduce yourself to her and say hi uh, to her and Jay. Um, and then our second one is Jerry Letourneau. Um, here in the back as well, um, and Jerry have been Jerry and his wife Elaine um, have been a massive part of our church now for the last ten or twelve years. Um, we believe that God would use His wisdom to share in that. So make sure you say hi and introduce yourself to uh, to to them after church. Um, and then there's a, also a third candidate, um, Ryan Gowett. Um, he had to step out for a family event, but Ryan Gowett and his wife Kylie. Um, have just, again, just been a, a, just a massive part, uh, just a very faithful part of our church, 
and uh, uh, we believe that we, uh, we we're seeing that sort of leadership come out of them as well. Um, and so what, we want to, what we're going to do is over the next two weeks is we're going to leave the, the, the feedback line open. And what we want to do is hear your feedback on those candidates. And, and if there would be any reason for them not to do something like this, uh, we certainly would like to know. But we, we, again, we believe that God is illuminating them to be a part of this next season of leadership. Um, and then for the other folks that were a part of that, we believe that there's a pipeline. Uh, we, what we're trying to do is set up a pipeline so that in the event that there is another turnover or, or there's a staff, uh, an elder that says, hey, you know what, my season's coming to an end, um, that we would have other elders available and ready uh, to be able to serve in that capacity. Um, and so it's something that we want to see, not just us cared for right now, but us cared for the next years and years and years to come. Um, so definitely want to see that take place. After this two weeks, we're going to, uh, after those two weeks, we're going to close that up, um, and then we'll have commissioning for them in prayer, a time of prayer so that we can all come around them as new leaders within our church. All right? Are we tracking on that? Are we cool on that? All right. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So the church is not people-centered, but it's Christ-centered. And so us as a church and a structure, we come around Christ and we orbit around him so that we can see how God might send us um, to ushering God's new kingdom. And so number four, the fourth reality of the church, the church is not separated but joined together. It says that he, Paul says that we are carefully joined together, that we aren't separated people simply just attending a, the same building, but we are a body, a family of God that is, that is actually moving through that together. So 1 Corinthians 12 is going to talk about this where it says that the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Again, what Paul is describing here is a group of people that are all bound together by something more than simply our, our economic backgrounds or, or our competencies or our, our dreams or visions, but, but really it's all about our simple understanding that Christ has died and resurrected give us, and has given us new life to be a part of that and has given us the Spirit so that we can participate in all that he has for us. And so for us as a church, what I believe for Community Covenant right now, being joined together is God calling us into a new season of unity in a way that, that we've never seen before. I really believe it was something that God's been impressing on my heart for, for months and really I've, had, I've seen just the same sorts of um, understandings coming from other people, just hearing glimpses of this and people's uh, conversations and statements that they're making is that we would be joined together in a way that would produce unity in a way that we've never seen it before. Just this unquestionable denial, that unquestion, just, uh, just unquestionably um, uh, unified in all that God would have for us. And so sometimes pastors will say, hey, we need to be unified. And you're like, yeah, great, that's awesome. Yeah, let's, let's, you know, let's have a rally. But really what I believe this unity, it comes down to a few different realms. And this is the, 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 um, the realms of unity that we would uh, discuss on that. If we could go to that slide there, Audrey. The realms of unity being, one, theological, what we fight for. That, that God would lead us to a point of theological unity, that we would not just understand what's in our closed hand, but that our deep 
uh, the deep doctrines of what we believe to be true about God would inform our hearts and, and become part of who we are. That our beliefs aren't just things that we just understand and know, but that our beliefs would inform the way that we interact with each other. That our theological unity would be felt and understood, that there would be a reverberating type of understanding about us, the, of us knowing who God is and how he's working, with our, working in our lives. I believe this is going to be something, uh, this is going to go over to relational unity um, where we're just gracious to each other. Like, uh, we don't need to be all Facebook friends, which is cool to do. We, we, don't even, we don't even need to see each other every single day of our lives. But what we need to be doing is simply holding the other, per- giving the other people in our community the benefit of the doubt, being gracious to each other holding each other in in moments of of deep joy and gratitude, being pumped to see each other when you come in and and hanging out. Instead of of sometimes holding back and thinking everyone's just all jacked up and, you know, no one's ever going to be good enough to be in relationship with me. But you hold hold to a standard of grace to people. That joy would infuse the way that we relate to each other, that we could be for each other. There's going to be, that, that God would call us to philosophical unity, even the fact that, that how we do things. What we say all the time is that we're a, a conservative church with some modern expression. So we love the hymns, we just love electric guitars too. And so we believe and we affirm the roots of the Christian faith. Well, but we believe that there's an expression that can change from time to time. And so how we do things, we believe in community groups, that the way we disciple uh, people and the way that people grow is they grow best when they're connected with people that know them and understand them and can help them become more like Christ together. That's why you don't see us doing thousands of classes and all these different ministries. We, do, we simply do two. We do gatherings in groups because we believe that when we engage each other in meaningful relationship, God will change us. And so there's philosophical unity, there's organizational unity, not just how we do things, but how we do things together. To our structure, our elder-governed, staff-led, volunteer-operated structure will literally infuse how we do things together so we can go further, faster than we've ever been before. So we can engage with each other in ways that are meaningfully connected around this Christ that has changed everything. So there's not only organizational unity, but there's missional unity. Not just how we do things, what we're doing together, how we do them, but what we are trying to get done. And what we say here all the time is we're about one thing, seeing lives changed by Christ. That's it. That's it. That's why we structure. That's why we budget. That's why we gather. That's why we connect. That's why we serve. We exist to see the resurrected Christ change everybody. And guess who's doing that? Us. Us. Like right here. Everyone here. Everyone in this room right now that's connected to Community Covenant in any sort of meaningful way. We're a part of something. We're not just this group of disconnected, disjointed people that come to a same building on Sunday, but we're a part of God's family that he sends into the world to be a part of the restoration of all things, that God is using a community like Community Covenant to see all things get back 
to what God intended them to be. And we can't do it, church, with all disjointed people that are just attending on a Sunday and not belonging throughout their week. Here's what I believe. I believe that God's going to do something in our church over the next year or two that only he can get credit for. But the only people that are going to stop him from doing that is us. I believe that God has a packed potential for this group of people. It's about whether we pursue it or not. And if God can be for us, if, we, if anything that can summarize our last two years, if God can be for us, if we know that God is for us, he's pursued us through his death and resurrection, we can be for each other. And if we can be for each other, understanding that the gospel applies to all people, together we can be for our community in a way that we've never done before. As God sends us to usher in the new kingdom that he has, has planned. So if God can be for us, if God is for us, we can be for each other. And I think right now God is saying to us in a brand new way, are you for each other? Or are you simply standing on the sideline attending so that the people that you want to call your church can shape up a little bit? I promise you right now, if we haven't done it yet, we'll probably disappoint you. But here's what we're doing. With all of our integrity, with all of our heart, with all of our our strength, we are loving Christ and pursuing all that he has for us. We won't always be perfect when we're doing it, but we're going to be as true to that calling as we can. And we need to be for each other. And so if you're any bit out right now, I just would plead with you at this moment, be in. Be in before the people that you're connected with in community with, before this group of people, before this church, before us. Not just, not just standing back and saying, oh, well, I hope you kind of do this a little bit better and maybe if you do that a little bit better. And whatever. No, no, no. No, simply can we get to a spot where we say we want to see one thing together. We want to see Jesus change lives and there's anything else that exists around that we don't really care because we want to see the triune creator of the entire universe put it all back together again. He, we want to be the people that he uses to do that. And the crowd went wild. Come on. That's what we want. And so that's the call today. That's the challenge. Are you in? Are you in? Because I believe that God wants to do something through us that we've never seen before. I don't know what that is yet. So maybe I won't be so excited about asking for but I believe that God wants to do something. But we need to be for each other before he does that. So that's the call today.